This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Tuesday, 14th of February, 2023, and we're just discussing before we came on air here with uh, you and I, Peter, this this rally we saw yesterday, uh, really an oddball rally. There was absolutely nothing going on. There's nothing in the news flow to suggest we should be uh, suddenly optimistic. It's all coming in interesting, pivotal technical areas around the 4100 area we've discussed so much where it appeared we might be weakening below that, but it wasn't didn't really commit lower. And we were both speculating on... Um, you know, on any given day, when you see that uh, scale of movement, it might be related to and probably is related to derivatives exposure, very short term options, uh, and likely with a big upcoming event. And that is in today's U.S. CPI release, some hedging into that. And then today itself, we have these so-called zero uh, days to expiry options, zero DTE. If you're not familiar with it and you're an equities trader, you need to familiarize yourself quickly because this really moves the market around a lot. So I, I just think it's a really interesting setup as we look towards today and what the surprise function is, both in the data and where the market is positioned. Market feels a little bit complacent, but I, I, yeah, I just have a hard time reading what's what's going on here. What's, uh, what's your take here? Yeah, I, I just, without any mentioning of the uh, ODT, uh, the, those options, I, I would just say that 1.2% move is, was just a weird move and there was no real news. And I think the, the market is just really waiting. We need to get this inflation report out of the way. And I think it's worth mentioning the inflation report we got yesterday from, um, from Switzerland. So that came out at 0.6% month on month gain versus 0.5% expected. The year on year jumped to 3.3 up from 2.8 in December. So uh, inflation is not going away in Switzerland. And you also mentioned in our internal call, John, the uh, some macro numbers was the, the employment figures out of the UK were, were looking uh, way stronger than they expected. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just really curious and wondering whether if these numbers continue like this, whether we, um, well, we soon we'll begin to talking about the risk of an overheating economy. And that is interesting, given where the policy rates are, especially in the U.S. Yes, uh, definitely so. And uh, that U.K. data was interesting because it was across the board stronger than expected. It's supposed to be the weakest uh, developed economy in the U.K. Um, what do we have here? We had claims. They're really interesting on the claims because we saw them strong, or, or so claims dropped for the uh, uh, for the uh, January print, uh, but then for the uh, for the December print, they were revised to uh, instead of having grown 20k, which would be a very bad growth in jobless claims for a month for an economy the size of the UK's, uh, that was revised down to minus 3.2. So not only was there no uh, drop and it was better than expected for uh, for January, the December number was revised sharply lower. This so-called payroll employees uh, for the month of January up 102k. And then one that's more standard, uh, followed in a more standard fashion, the three-month uh, sort of rolling one, was also significantly better than expected. So uh, all of it, point, and then the earnings were slightly sharper as well, the ones uh, ex-bonus. So a very strong report. We've seen uh, Sterling up, and I've got some some thoughts on that in a moment. Uh, but just a little bit to dovetail with with where the market is. I always like to see markets that are, are, are changing behavior a bit here. And nothing dramatic, but just I think it's important because it's, you know, it's... Uh, part of financial conditions. And that is the corporate credit spread. So I have a, a chart on slide three showing a couple of things there, the blue line being the Bloomberg's high yield credit spread, which is uh, which is widened to 414 basis points after you know, significantly, I mean, significantly below 400 basis points. It's not a big move, but it's a change of direction and it's a fairly persistent one. 
And then just noting out to the right there, I put up the actual daily candlestick of the high yield ETF, the HYG. There's also one called the JNK, which uh, yields slightly more. By the way, 5.3%, I think, is the uh, the dividend yield for the past 12 months. I'm not very impressed by that uh, figure for uh, something that is so-called high yield when we have inflation running uh, essentially above that level. But whatever. I think the technicals look quite similar to the uh, the technicals of the S&P 500 until this latest dip, which is a lot stronger a dip than what you're seeing in the S&P. So sort of emphasizing that that. A little bit of tension here between equity markets, which seem a little bit more buoyant uh, relative to what the treasury market is uh, driving in, in terms of risks higher. If yields go higher, I think that's definitely going to provide very strong headwinds to equities. But just a market that is showing a bit of change in behavior, I think, is, is quite interesting. And then rolling into FX, uh, not, you know, no big moves here. We're all waiting for this data. The dollar a bit sideways. And I'm pulling up sterling. So we're talking about that strong UK data. Uh, on slide four, you can see the euro sterling chart. It was trying to, to bid above 89, the figure, which was sort of a break of the recent range. And we're, we're back. We're stuffed back into the range. I would say follow through requires a close below at least around 88. And you'd like to see that latest up wave fully erased to uh, reset the chart lower, but certainly not a chart that's looking like it's in a strong uptrend with this latest uh, uh, few days of action there. Uh, and then noting uh, with these higher rates, if you look at the precious metals there, gold uh, suffering against uh, all currencies broadly at a minus 2.4 trending reading and silver even more so as that whole China reopening boost uh, to copper uh, has sort of faded together with the uh, impact from the gold side or the precious metal side of, of silver. So we're just, uh, you know, look at the trend readings. They're all pretty weak. They're sub two. Uh, really to have a trend, you need to have something two plus on our uh, FX board. And uh, the yen uh, trying to bob back a little bit higher after uh, it's confirmed that Ueda will be uh, um, the nominee to replace Kuroda on his exit. There will be a hearing on the 20-something of uh, uh, this month to, to see, but I don't see what would bar his nomination. I don't think he's a controversial uh, choice. Finally, just uh, one small other, a bunch of small stories on FX uh, and, and actually a couple of uh, bigger ones too. Fed Vice Chair Brander meant to be the big dove of the Fed. She never really made much of an impact recently um, anyway, but she has been dominated uh, or tapped by the Biden administration to fulfill a new role uh, there. And so she'll be leaving the Fed, director of the National Economic Council, so taking a more political role and replacing Brian Deese there. But that means we'll have a, a new Fed Vice Chair. Of course, we don't know the impact of that, but nominally might edge hawkish. So perhaps uh, I think the key figure is Powell anyway. And then finally, on the RBA, quite interesting. So Governor Philip Lowe is uh, is really under fire here and getting some heat for having had a closed-door meeting just a couple of days after the most recent uh, RBA decision, which was surprisingly hawkish, with a series of bankers. Uh, and this is a person who has not really made a public appearance of any, of any kind since mid-December. So that sort of behavior heavily criticized. There was a deputy governor that, that uh, canceled a meeting that was meant to take place tomorrow of, of a similar nature. And the uh, and Lowe is up for a, a hearing before the Senate. So supposedly his his term, his seven-year normal term comes to an end in September. And the last two RBA governors have received these weird sort of three-year extensions, which is apparently possible under the regime they operate. Uh, that could call into question this uh, criticism, if this criticism sort of uh, you know, continues uh, calling to question his ability to extend. So there could be some interest in a new RBA governor potential in coming months. All right. 
stocks to watch today. You mentioned yesterday, uh, Peter, this company, Solar Edge, uh, piqued my curiosity. How did the results come up? This company that makes these inverters, uh, so you connect your panels, I guess, to the uh, uh, to the grid or to your actual electricity operation in your home. Uh, how, how did this company perform in the earnings report yesterday? Yes, Solar Edge is a, one of the largest manufacturers in the world of inverters, which are used on the solar modules to connect them to the grid, etc. And they have monitoring software. And if you look at the slide five, you can see what I've have put in there. And if you look at the Q4 revenue, it was uh, stronger than expected. And if you look at the revenue outlook, it was also on the upside relative to estimates and earnings were quite strong. They state themselves that demand, especially in Europe, has been ex extremely strong in Q4, I suspect. And we've talked about that, John. The wind turbine business is clearly not moving at a, at a faster, a fast rate here. There are a lot of issues around permits for both onshore, but especially offshore wind projects. And it seems like the, the, uh, the utility industry in Europe is doubling down on, on solar because you could deploy those types of, uh, of uh, energy sources much faster. So solar did quite well. But the expectations, we can see that. I, I, that's at least my interpretation. When when the stock is down five to six percent in extended trading, we can only guess. But it suggests that in, investors actually have their expectations above that of of analysts. So, and if you look at the share price over the past, what should we say, two years, as you can see on the um, the share price there to the on the right side of the slide, it has been very up and down. Uh, so there was a big adjustment. To valuations and 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 the outlook of the company back in uh, in the in the year leading into the um, to the pandemic and then in the first year since the lows in the pandemic and then ever since we've just been rate, uh, range trading but it's a very fast growing company I and mean, we also had earnings from Palantir that was the opposite reaction to Solage so the shares were up seventeen percent that was despite not very impressive numbers against what analysts had expected especially not on the outlook for Q one. But that really just suggested, and if you pull up a, a price chart on Palantir, you can see why the share price is just in absolute debasement. And it's, yeah, it, I think it, I think the investors and traders at, at Palantir were just had really no expectations at all. So, so this was probably just okay. And then Susan Group, which is a big industrial company here in Europe, reporting revenue in line for the quarter that ended in uh, in December. And uh, actually beat on the operating income side, despite that was down 33%. It's still a company that is struggling with um, galloping input cost from energy, but also commodities, Susan Group producing steel and, and other things related to that. So, But if we move to the earnings to watch, John, for, for today, we can see some of the big names up, uh, of our Coca-Cola, Airbnb, Global Foundries and New Holdings. And I've put in Airbnb because it's a widely traded stock also among sexual clients. Very, It's a household name if you're traveling around the world. Not everyone uh, likes the concept, but it's a very popular one. And if you look at the Q4 expectations for revenue growth, we're looking at 22% revenue growth and and actually quite uh, quite stable earnings there for, for Airbnb. And the whole travel and leisure segment is healing and, and rebounding healthily. Um, Quite good from uh, from the lows during the uh, the pandemic still. So, and I think it you know traveling at leisure is a is a is a discretionary discretionary item, uh, and it's and something you would cut down on as a household if you if you have problem with the uh, with the uh, with your household budget. So, if they if Airbnb comes out with a very strong outlook, I would say from a macro perspective, that's a very 
very, that's a very good sign to say the least. Interesting one there. Also, like you uh, have been, you know, more standard hotel Marriott Hotel is a huge uh, hotel chain. I, I see there as well. All right, there was actually one thing I, I did not mention on the um, on the FX, and that was um, uh, yes, it was uh, Ueda who's who's going to be the nominee to replace Kuroda in early April. Uh, and there's a famous figure, so-called Mr. Yen, who said he saw that the, the Bank of Japan likely move the policy rate uh, higher by October. And just for perspective, uh, 19 basis points reflected or, or priced into the forward curve through the December Bank of Japan meeting. So uh, it's still a snail's pace. And if that is all they're going to deliver, uh, of course, it depends on how much they liberalize their yield curve control policy, how much uh, Japanese uh, longer yields can rise. But if we're in a rising still in a rising yield environment, that that's not going to cut the mustard for engineering a major revival in, in the Japanese yen, unless, again, there's something more dramatic on the QT side or, or elsewhere. All right, that rolls us forward. And, and the uh, final item actually was um, uh, keeping oil prices a little bit under wraps here. They're going to release another 26 million barrels from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Uh, it is currently at 371 million. That's, I think, around half of what its max was ever and the max capacity in, in any case uh, so just to continue to draw on that uh, these evs better come in come in a droves uh, fast or that strategic reserve is not going to be very uh, strategic at the rate has been depleted on the macro calendar the us cpi up again the expected figures 0.5 on the headline 0.4 on the core what is being hedged what are the fears uh, i'm not entirely sure again the most recent data revised higher does this mean we have the risk of a high print or were the conspiracy theorists correct, and we have the risks of at least soon, if not now, uh, undershooting figures on these to uh, as the as the new methodology is going to end up uh, setting these prices lower. Don't know. Uh, I, I think uh, I, I think we just need to keep an open mind and be wary of volatility risks intraday here, and we maybe can take an assessment at least by the end of the day, uh, if not by the end of the week, on on what's going on here. We have uh, importantly after the very uh, uh, important Swede uh, Swedish Riksbank meeting last week that really impressed Swedish Krona traders. And I thought it was a, a watershed moment for the Riksbank. We have governor today and speaking today. So watch for follow-up moves there. Uh, Eurostocky is 11.10 as I'm speaking here. Uh, pretty impressive move. It's been off of the 11.40 plus highs uh, uh, that were prior to that meeting last week. And Governor Lowe, that's an important one suddenly with this new angle on the RBA and his status. That is up in the Asian session tonight. And I put the UK January CPI number in there. It's a bit irritating the way, at least for, for podcasts and for covering these things for our, for our listeners and our readers, that all that UK data has been moved to so early in the morning. Uh, so just remember, if you're getting up earlier or you're not into the swing of things, that the, all the UK, uh, key UK data releases are at that uh, at that time. And, and this one could get a bit of focus after the dovish shift from the Bank of England at its most recent meeting. Okay, I think uh, with that, we will call it a day. It's going to be an interesting one to see how the market deals and absorbs with this uh, US CPI release today. Stay on your toes for that, and we'll be back tomorrow with the Saxo Market Call. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com.